0: Well, the sermon today has a one-word title, Vision, and I uh, so appreciate Pastor Andy picking that song because it sums up what vision really is. God should be uh, our vision. Uh, I- I've heard the verse I want to use, and you can be opening your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 18, and in fact, we're going to read this before I continue saying anything. So I'm going to let you find it. Proverbs is almost in the middle of the Bible. Psalms is in the middle. Proverbs comes right behind it. And I'm looking at chapter 29 and verse 18. Proverbs 29, 18. Um, For those of you who don't know, that was Pastor Andy uh, leading us in worship. Pastor Stephen was with the kids late last night, uh, early this morning. And uh, he's here, but uh, uh, those are our pastors here. And I'm Pastor Stewart. So it's nice to see you. Glad to have you all here today, for sure. Proverbs 29, 18 says this. There's one verse. Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraints. I'm reading now the English Standard Version. Yours may sound a little bit different. But blessed is he who keeps the law. Now let me reread that. Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. Let me just offer a prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I just ask. You give me clarity of thought, clearness of speech, brevity, uh, where brevity is necessary, explanation where it's necessary. Guard my mouth to say something I shouldn't say. Open my mouth to say what I should say. But Lord, only you can take your word and put it into our heart. And so I pray, God, that uh, you would do that part that is only you can do. We're going to do what we can. But Lord, we cannot bring conviction or understanding to anyone. And so Lord, we ask you to do that for us. Bind our enemy right now, we ask in Jesus' name, that we can have freedom to, uh, to understand and to live out what you call us to do. Amen. This is a verse, as I started to say, I, I've heard it and I've used it uh, a, a lot um, in many, many years. Re- recently, I was challenged to re-examine that verse to to see what it really is saying and what it really means. Am I understanding it correctly and and what was God really telling us in this verse? Because I hear it so much that I wanted to know. So many times we'll pull a verse out of context and we'll use it, and yet that's not what the verse meant at all. And and so we're misusing it, and I didn't want to do that. And so I think I gained a little better understanding of what what God was trying to say, what this verse is meaning to, to us. And so I also believe that if we will really understand it and apply it to our lives, uh, it, it'll, it'll change our lives. Very much so. Uh, I, I, I don't declare to have infallibility at all. But God, I believe, wants us to understand exactly what this is. Because it's about his revealed will. Uh, usually, in a church context, when we hear that verse, when I've used it, you've heard other people use it we get this idea that the pastor is supposed to go off and close himself in some sort of closet and have this mystical experience from God and come back with a project or some action that the church ought to be doing. And and by the way, there's n- nothing wrong with setting a goal to do something. Okay, that's, that's perfectly fine, but that's not what this is talking about. In fact... That idea has led churches and denominations into heresy and ruin because it's based on the pastor. And God doesn't want to base it on the pastor. He doesn't want to base the church on the pastor. He wants to base it somewhere else that you saw but maybe you didn't see. I'll get to that in just a second. This verse isn't for the pastor. It's for all of you and me. Are you with me so far? Okay, I, I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to make you question a little bit so that you'll open your mind to, to hear. But here, here's something I want you to take home with you today. I changed it. Don't even bother to put it up. Because um, I, I, I wrote this a long time ago and been studying on it. So I changed it a little bit. Understanding God's idea of vision, that's what I want you to take home, can help us come to an action that pleases God. I, I, I believe that we should come to an action based on vision. I believe we ought to come to an action based on vision. But understanding God's idea of vision will lead us to an action that pleases God. Okay? So you're sticking with me there. So I got I to define what is vision then. Okay, preacher, you're saying we never understood this. No, I didn't say that. I said I didn't understand it. And uh, 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 my brother Leroy down here I said, I admire a man not, doesn't have to sing in the choir, but he sits on the front row anyway. He said, well, like, I'm down here so you he can preach at me. I said, man, I'm preaching at me. You're just listening in. So uh, that's what I believe. But across America today, pastors in their pulpits, it's New Year's Day, and they're going to cast a vision for 2023, and they will expound the idea or project or new direction for the church of which the Holy Spirit has made them the overseer but this biblical vision is not that this vision that he's talking about is a vision given by God and it never changes you don't have to look for vision the vision is given to us and so I'm going to explain that a little bit further so before I go on let me define what the definition of this word is biblically now you don't misunderstand the word it means to see and to see clearly Okay, he's telling you to see it and to see it clearly but it, it is a prophetic vision. Now, what do I mean by prophetic? That word's thrown around a lot today. Be careful when you hear a preacher, including this one, use the word prophetic, okay? Because there are people saying that they have prophetic visions from God, and they're adding to Scripture. That is not what I'm talking about here. And, I, and, I, and I'm not saying that I have that. Uh, what, what I am saying is that the Word of God was given to the prophets and the apostles which they wrote down. The prophetic vision, Peter called it that, was given to the apostles and the prophets, and they recorded it, right? So this is God's vision right here. And so to understand where I'm going to, let's reread the very last part of that verse. Because I read it, but you have heard, well, there's no vision, the people perish, right? How many of you ever heard that? You ought to raise your hand, because I've probably said it, all right? Where there's no vision, the people perish. But we forget to go on, because the last part of verse 18 says this, but blessed is he who keeps the law. Now, the but means you got this, but you got this. And so this will help cancel out that. So there was no vision, and that word there, and, and the SV explains it well, they cast off restraint. One guy said they're running around like a bunch of wild savages, okay? I don't know if that's a good biblical uh, uh, interpretation of that word, but that's kind of basically what he's saying. There's no limits. You, can just, you go do whatever you want. And where there's no vision, the people do whatever they want. And we have, we've kind of reverse engineered that to mean something it doesn't mean. Because look at the last part. But the cure to not having a vision and to acting without restraint is to keep the law. Now, the Bible used the word law to refer to Scripture. The law is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy in Bible talk. That's the law, those first five books. Moses wrote those down. The prophets is everything comes after that, except Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon. We call those wisdom books. So, 39 books in the Old Testament, five of them are the law. Uh, Five of them are wisdom, and the other 29 are history and or prophets writing down what God was telling them. And so here the Bible is telling us in Proverbs, because I don't have the New Testament yet, that the man is happy who studies and knows God's word and, and obeys that. And I, I said it last week and probably, or the week before, that these two guys on the road to Emmaus after the resurrection, Jesus shows up and he explains all the prophecy of the Old Testament concerning himself. In other words, Jesus is in the Old Testament by his own admission. He says, this is what talks about me. And he talked about himself through the scripture, those two guys to Emmaus. I wish somebody had written that down, but they didn't, okay? That would have been really neat to have his idea of who he is because he is not wrong. He's always right. So the vision is a prophetic vision. And so what is in mind here is the revelation of God to his biblical spokesmen, those prophets and prophets. And, and apostles. That is, the word of God is given to those two people, prophets and apostles, neither of which we have in the Old Testament. We don't have Old Testament prophets. We don't have New Testament apostles today. Both of those offices are gone. Um, and so when we look at the last part of that verse, it tells us that the vision of the prophets is understood and followed by the people, brings blessing from God because we're walking in His way let me just reread it to help us where there is no prophetic vision the people cast off restraint but blessed is he who keeps the law so we're blessed if we know God's word and keep it what is the vision of the prophets I just want to make sure you catch this it is a mystery hidden but has now been revealed to the saints according to the new testament listen I'll give you three verses in the new testament you can write down the references Colossians 1, verses 26 and 27. I'll read it for you, but Colossians 1, 26 and 27. The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Hang on to that, because now you're getting the vision. Romans 16, 25. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel... And the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for, for long ages. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 9. That was Romans 16, 25. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 9. And to bring light for everyone what is the plan, uh, plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. The vision is Jesus. And Jesus said, Search the scriptures, for in them you find eternal life, and these are those that talk about me. You getting it? See how it, that brings that back together. And when we rip that out of context and say, Well, without vision, people perish. So, preach, you got to get in the closet and get a vision. Well, I got a vision. It's, you got the vision, it's in your hand if you brought your Bible. God wants to talk to you, He wants you to open that Bible and read it. That's how He talks to you. And you too can know the vision. The world would add a billion things to that. The church wants to add its own set of things to that. But we who have beheld the life, death, and resurrection of our glorious Lord Jesus Christ know better that He is the vision. In other words, vision is seeing clearly and understanding what you observe, but it, and, but it comes from this trusted source, the Bible. God's vision comes from God's word. And in the context of Proverbs 29, because by this time it looks like one-liners, right? I love one-liners. My mind works in one-liners. And when i got to describe a big concept, it's really hard because I'm seeing it as one-liners. And not everybody's like that. And so that by this time, but if you read the entire uh, Proverb of, of the 29th chapter of Psalms, you'll see it's all about correction, understanding, and restraint. It's about errant children. It's about people walking off the path. It's, it's all about bringing people back to where they should be. And this is sort of the crowning verse in my mind in that whole chapter that when we don't understand God's Word, we do whatever we want, but we're blessed if we get into His Word. And so if you're wondering what the vision is for you this new year, that might be a big part of it, okay? And we'll tell you a little bit more about that in a minute. So why do we need vision? Well, why do I need vision? I learned a great phrase from a, a man I call my pastor. I, I, in fact, I don't even call him dad. And that's uh, Dr. Alan McFarland. He's pastor at Calvary Evangelical Baptist Church in Portsmouth, Virginia. And he said something over and over and over and over again until I understood it. He wasn't saying it to me. He just said it all the time. People can only do what they know and they only know what they've been taught. Now, that's Proverbs 29, 18. People can only do what they know and they only know what they've been taught. So if you don't know something, guess whose fault that is? It's partially mine. It's partially yours, but it's partially mine. And I'll give myself at least 51% of it. If it makes you feel better, you can give me 99% of it. Because I'm supposed to be going, hey, look at this, 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 right? But you got to look at it. you got to understand it. you gotta, you got to also wrestle with it, try to get a hold of it. And so we need a vision because it molds our actions. We need the vision of the Word of God because we live not to please ourselves but to please the one who saved us, right? And the New Testament say that? First John 3 says when we have the hope of the return of Christ. We purify ourselves. We get in the Word. We start living like we... Well like he wants us to live cuz he's coming back and we want to and by the way he's coming back for you in your lifetime. All right? Whether whether those who think the rapture's coming before they die and some people do and all of that or not, you're going to die and see him. Sorry, but nobody gets out alive. So if you know that Why wouldn't you want to live your life in a way that pleases him? Because when you get there, all this stuff's gone. The only thing that's going to last for eternity is what he did. So it molds our actions. It brings clarity to our choices. When you go, you know what? That's not God's will. I'm not going to do that. Because God's will, and I'm going to show you more plainly exactly what he's told us, is very clear in the Bible, and we've got to obey it. And I would also say, but it gives us freedom in our decisions. Because God set up some parameters, and as long as you're inside those parameters, you can decide and do it. As long as it's inside God's will, it's okay. Let me say that again. If it's inside the parameters of God's will, it's okay. It's when we get outside of those parameters, we get in trouble. Okay, good. Amen, I agree. So, the question then becomes, well, then where do we need this vision? And I'm just going to... I'm going to break it down to several areas, but it's, I'm making it more complicated by doing that, but hang with me. I'll try to bring it back together. First of all, you need it in yourself. You absolutely got to have it personally because we say, well, the church needs that. Let me ask you, what is the church? What? It's the people. So how does the church do what it's supposed to do? The people do what they're supposed to do, Right? It's, it's not rocket science, y'all. God, it, it, listen, God called me to be a pastor. It's obviously not rocket science, all right? God, God wants us to catch it. So here's what I want to encourage you to do. Find a reading plan for your Bible this year. I, I'm in a plan. I'm going to read it this year. I'm setting a private goal for myself. Only one other, two other people know that. And, uh, and, but I'm trying to read it more than once this year. I'll go ahead and say that much. And not so that I can say, I read my Bible through in the year. But to try to find out what God's saying. But you've got to read it generally so that you can start seeing things particularly. Right? Are you the kind of person who wants to read the end of the book first? Okay, some of y'all are that way. I, I'm not necessarily that way. I kind of like to figure, try to figure out whatever the book's trying to say. But sometimes you just go nuts. I've got to find out how this ends. And then you've got more understanding reading toward that end, don't you? Because you know. That, you know, like... If, if my wife and I are watching a movie or TV show or something, it's dramatic. And the hero might die. And she goes, I can't watch. I said, they can't keep the series going if he doesn't live. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Guess what? I may die as a martyr in this world, but I know where I'm headed. I know the end because I read that book too. Revelation. I know what's going to happen. I know where I'm headed. And so we... I would encourage you to read your word and find a place where you can read and pray. In fact get a notebook and write it down. Establish a time. Establish a place. Try to keep that faithfully. I don't want to put you under law because reading the scripture and prayer is not about law. It's about a relationship with God. And if you've got a relationship with God, you want to talk to him, you want him to talk to you and that's what reading the Bible and praying is all about. That you get it so that he can then show you in his word through the power of the Holy Spirit what he's saying. And Listen, I'm not, I'm not the biggest expert, but I know some people who are. And, and uh, if you ever have a question, please come ask me. I, I'm learning like you. Every, I tell you, I've been trying to learn God's Word for many, many years now. And every day it's something different. Every day it's something new. You're not going to run out of it. And you're not going to understand everything. I can promise you. So you've got to go find somebody else that maybe has a better insight that can help you out. We need, we need this vision in our homes. I see the enemy trying to destroy our homes. And, and gentlemen especially, you need to say, I'm going to love the Lord my God in my home. I'm going to love and serve God in my home. If you're single, that's fine. Just go ahead and make that determination now. And anybody that you ever invite in, uh, getting married or whatever, you say, hey, this is the rule of this house. We're going to love and serve God here. Uh, I, I would say in our home... That we ought to obey God in our family relationships. And he defines these in his word. What does it mean to be a father? What does it mean to be a husband? What does it mean to be a wife? What does it mean to be a mother? What does it mean to be a grandparent? You know, the Bible says the elders should teach the younger. And the younger should respect the elder. Right? So we ought to figure that out. And live in that family relationship to the best of our ability. Thirdly, I would say about in our home... We ought to, as a family, decide how are we going to serve God? How are we going to please God? How are are we going to find the will of God for our family? And that's that's a dynamic that changes because kids grow and all of that. Different stages of life, it might be different. But if you determine that you're going to find out what God's word says and you're going to obey it to the best of your ability, you'll figure out something God has for you as a family to do. You can bring your kids in on that. But obviously, we need to have vision in the church. Amen? I I believe that all my heart. We have to have vision in the church. What I'm so glad is God didn't say, hey, I need you to go pastor that church. I'm, okay, what do you want me to do? I don't know, make it up as you go. Because I'm not a good make up there as I go guy, okay? I'm glad that he has given it to us. And we need vision, and here's what we need to do, and, and I'm going by a biblical outline here, Matthew 22 and Matthew 28. And I've added a little bit in there too, not to God's word, but just to help understand it. You've got to love... The Lord Jesus Christ and the Lord God with all your heart, with all your strength, and with all your mind. The church needs to be doing that, but the church can't do it if you don't do it. You don't have to wait to get here to express it. You need to make that the goal of your life, that everything else fades. I I remember an old hymn, um, Cast Your Eyes, Set Your Eyes on Jesus. And the things of this earth will grow strangely dim. Right? Secondly, you ought to love your neighbors yourself. You, you know, if they're in need, you ought to find that out, figure that out, help them, just be nice to them. I got great neighbors. They're nice. They're probably nicer than me than I am to them, but we try. Yeah. But we ought to love our neighbors, we love ourselves. And if someone's in need, then remember they asked you, who's our neighbor? And he gave an example somebody they were supposed to hate. said, that's your neighbor. So we need to love our neighbors. We ought to commit to pray and seek to befriend someone that doesn't know Jesus. Not to put a notch in your gun. You ought to just do that. Because by your influence in their life, and that's going to lead me into something for just specifically for the church in a second. But why don't you pray, God, who do you want me to be a friend to? It might be somebody at work that you never wanted to be a friend to, or they never wanted you to be their friend, and you've decided, I am going to love on them in Jesus' name, and prayerfully, God will use my life in their life in a positive way. I think you ought to seek to be a disciple and to teach someone else. you got to be doing both, really, and, and, and maybe you got to get started first being discipled, but... We use that word disciple. It just means to get the word of God explained to you in such a way it means something to you. and You can start living it out. But what you learn, you can teach. You know what it takes to teach first grade? Be on day two. When they're on day one. Now, that's an oversimplification. Obviously, that's not true. But for me to teach you something, I have to learn it first. Right? There's your qualification. Then you can do it. If you know something, share that with someone. Because I have people share stuff with me all the time. I'm always learning from other people. And I appreciate that. And then, this is a biggie. I said I was going to come back around to this. And it's about loving your neighbors yourself. Some of your neighbors are in this building right now. And some of you don't even know them. Now, I will give you this. That in this auditorium, there's more people than you can get to know. In a, in a normal way. There's, there's scientific study limit to that, and we're past that limit. But I do know that there have been people that have come to this church and been coming for a long time. They don't know anyone. No one's ever reached out to be nice to them. I, I know that. They've told me that. So we ought to commit ourselves to being hospitable to our fellow servants. That word hospitable means to make them feel better than you feel in your house. You know, that's, that's my definition. I don't know if that Webster said that, but hospitality is to make the guest in my home feel more welcome there than I do. Well, this is the Lord's house and he certainly makes us feel more welcome than we make him feel because we don't like to listen to him too much. But he loves on us anyway. So we need to show hospitality to someone so they don't feel alone and they don't know people. I want to get better at that in this year. I want all of us to get better at that. Go introduce yourself to somebody and say, I don't know you, but I picked you. No, don't say that. (laughs) That'll make them run. But just go out of your way to introduce yourself to someone you've never met before. I know it's embarrassing. You feel like you should have already known them or done that. Well, they feel the same way. Just go ahead and be embarrassed together and get over it. Then you can keep moving. Remember when I said you can't do something until you know it, and you can't know it unless somebody teaches it to you? I started teaching Sunday night this past fall. I did that on purpose, and I actually picked Revelation on purpose... ...because I knew a lot of people were interested in it. And I didn't do it to draw a crowd. I wanted a lot of people to kind of get used to coming back. But I want you to come back. Because let me make an admission that all preachers ought to make occasionally. I can only teach so much from up here... ...because it's totally dependent on whether I say it clearly, you understood it clearly... And hopefully you got it, because usually on Sunday morning nobody raises their hand to ask questions. Sunday night is different. You can ask any question you want. We can have a good old t- sorry, that might be me. We we can have a good old time and we can learn. And so we're going to try to continue that. But I'll tell you we're running to a problem, and that is we've got children and youth that need to be taken care of. And we don't have a program for that. We need help in that. Maybe you say, I I don't want to come to class, but I'd be glad to Help in that area. Please let us know that. Because there are young families that come. And I'll tell you, we, we did Revelation until the beginning of December. And Pastor Stephen said, man, when you quit that, youth dropped off. But thank you. Light turned on. You can't do anything for one group of people unless you do something for the whole family. I got grandkids. I don't even have kids. I mean, I got kids. I'm sorry. So I don't even have kids. Yeah, I do. <laughs> But they're all adults. They're on their own. They, they take care of themselves. And so at this stage, hey, let's get together and do that. Great. And somebody goes, you going to be babysitting? What? <laughs> Why? Because I don't think that way anymore, right? And many of us don't think that way. But friend, we cannot love and minister to young families without ministering to the families. You with me? Okay, good. So Sunday nights is going to be for teaching where you can ask any question you want. One church I played, Stump the Preacher. That's what I called it. And you could just come ask me anything you want. It was a lot of fun. We had a good time doing that because you can stump me. But, but I'll find out by next week, I promise you. I would say that in the church, we ought to have the vision to support missionaries that we already support. But more than just throw money at them and forget about them, we ought to be praying for them constantly and, and just hold us accountable. We need to be calling their name out from up here uh, more often than not. We ought to finance them, we ought to correspond with them, get their name, get their address, find out where they are, get an electronic address, send them an encouraging note. A gentleman came to our church last week. He's not a member here, his church wasn't open, he came to ours. But I know him somewhere else, and almost daily he sends me an encouragement. I just appreciate that. I just see, hey, he sent me an encouragement, and I get encouraged. I don't even have to read it. <laughs> I do read it, but I don't have to to get encouraged. It's, it's wonderful. Now, don't everybody do that, because I can't get through them all, but... I'm just saying, find somebody, encourage them. They need that encouragement. Pick pick another pastor. They might need the encouragement, even, I mean, here. And then we need to pray for the world, not just our country, not just our family, not just our church. There are at least, at least 2 billion people in this world right now that don't have any means of hearing the name of Jesus in a positive way. There are several other billion that have heard it, but it doesn't mean anything to them except maybe a curse word. And so we ought to consciously begin to pray as as believers and as a church for the world God has caused us to touch, but he called us to touch it by starting where we are. He put you here to touch here, but also to send out to there. And we can do that through prayer and through other means, and we want to do that. So with all that being said, here, here's some goals that will help us live out our vision as a church. We are going to have a prayer seminar. I'm going to preach on prayer through the month of January. Don't have a date set because I haven't, got, uh, I haven't invited the man yet, but he said, invite me, I'll come when I can. So the invitation is out there, and we're going to figure out a date. And he's going to come, and we'll have some sort of prayer teaching time. Uh, on that weekend, and we're going to do more than that throughout the year. We're going to pull in some people from outside our body that know a lot about Sunday school and, and things concerning that. A lot of people do a great job here, but listen, I got a motto, I need to start saying it, because I don't want anybody to think or, or to be offended by how I say things, but I, got, I learned a motto when I was 13 years old. First time I ever ran a mile, I was wearing Chuck chucks now is what we call them you shouldn't run in those suckers okay I'm just telling you and we and I I started gym class I was about 5'3 and about 85 pounds and gym teacher said you're gonna run a mile today I said are you kidding me and we ran around that gym and the whole time we were running he standing in the middle yelling good but he was 6'11 good better best never let it rest till the good's better the better's best run 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 he got me motivated to run that first mile I ever ran on purpose. And I like that saying, good, better, best. Don't let it rest till the good's better, better better's best. We're to have some people come help us make it better. Not that it's bad. We're already good. We just want to be better. One day we want to be the best because best is the standard. We need to do missions, outreaches to our community. There are people living in the shadow of this church that don't know Jesus. Literally. And so we need to get better at meeting our neighbors and tell them about the Lord. And I'm going to re-say it, come back Sunday nights for teaching. So that we, you can ask questions, we can delve into God's Word deeper and deeper. You see, a vision is not a resolution. It's New Year's Day, so many people like to do resolutions. But a vision is not a revolution. A, a, a obedience to a vision is a choice. So with this entire year before, us, I want to ask you a question. Are you willing to commit... To knowing the vision and doing it. Knowing the word of God and then living it out in your life. Because that's what Proverbs 29 18 is telling us. That blessed is he who obeys this word, right? Obeys the law. Will you commit yourself to that? Pastor Andy's going to come play that last hymn we sang. That encapsulated what I'm trying to say Be thou my vision.